Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. Because we're going to look at the church tonight. So, depending on what chart you look at or depending on what commentary or author you read, Many will say this is the dispensation of grace. Now, what did we say when we started uh, this message? What dispensation means, and you can go back and listen to this message on the website later, but it's just God dispensing out truth. This really, biblically, what we're going to talk about tonight, really should be the dispensation of the church Because if we say this is the dispensation of grace, you know what the problem with that is? What did Noah find? Grace. Even Lot in Genesis 19. Grace. Even in the garden, what showed up? Grace. How? Is God an all-consuming fire? (laughs) Now, there was a curse. Because we saw that Adam lived, what, 930 years, and he died. That was the curse, fell upon all man. But we can see grace all the way back in the garden and all throughout the Old Testament. We see God's grace showing up. Now, they didn't put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ because, well, Christ hadn't come. We read the Old Testament. We see the pictures. We see the types. We see all of that. But what we've got, what we've got now is the dispensation of the church. It's new truth being dispensed. And we'll see that in 1 Corinthians. Let's turn to chapter number 12. Grace is not something new. I said all of that to say that one sentence. Grace is not something new. But the church is a completely and entirely new living organism. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. The Bible says, For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. I hope you got that. The church is one body. So that brother you don't like or that sister you don't like, Hate to tell you, they're in the same body. (laughs) Now, they might not go to the same local assembly, and some of you might be saying, praise God. But if they've trusted Christ, they have been baptized into the same body and have been washed in the same blood. For by one spirit, here it is, are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. The church is something new, and it is one body. Go to John 3, very familiar. John chapter number 3. John chapter 3, beginning at verse number 1, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. Chapter number 2, the same came to Jesus by night, said unto him, or verse number 2, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. Uh for no man can do these miracles that thou do doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except the man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. 
Nicodemus saith unto him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus helps him out. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Jesus goes on three more verses. And then Nicodemus asks the second question, which is quite interesting. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, how can these things be? <laughs> if you're a Jew. And you just came out from the law. And that's all you had. Besides God promises, besides your conscience that God gave you. You got something entirely new that Jesus is putting together. What's this idea of being born again? He's talking to Nicodemus about spiritual things. It's completely and entirely new. And you can understand why he is asking these. Because Jesus is setting up an entirely new organism. that has to do with a spiritual birth that puts you into one body. Go to Romans chapter number 8. Romans chapter number eight. Let's look at verse number eight. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God, but you're not in the flesh, but in the spirit. Well, who would that be? That would be somebody that had the spiritual birth that Jesus was talking to Nicodemus about. In John chapter 3. If so, be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. When you go out and witness to somebody, you go out and hit out tracks in Livingston at the park like we did this afternoon, you and I better be careful that it's not us showing up in the power of our own flesh telling them what we want to tell them. We better yield to and be led by. Well, that spirit of God that's supposed to be dwelling in you, which if you're saved, it's dwelling in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. When you got saved and I got saved, our flesh didn't get saved. That's why little Johnny Christ trusts Christ on Sunday. But little Johnny is fighting with sister Susie on Monday. Why? His flesh didn't get saved. Okay. But the spirit. What does it say in verse 10? Is life. Because of righteousness. There's this contrast in Romans 8. Between the flesh and the spirit. And this contrast between death. And life. The church. This one body. This living organism. That you are spiritually born into. Gives you the spirit of God to dwell in you to empower you to do God's work. Romans chapter number 12. We typically preach on the first, uh, you know, two, three verses. And it's great preaching. But we're going to look at verse number five for tonight. And it says, Romans 12 verse five. So we, being many, here it is again, are one body. By ourselves as Lone Ranger Christians. No, we are one body in Christ and everyone members of another. 
What's the difference? Is there a difference if you're a Jew and I'm a Gentile? No. What's the difference? There's one difference. We are all in Christ, one body, baptized into it. But there's one difference in all of us now that we're in Christ. You know what that one difference is? The next verse. Verse 6. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. And, and it goes on. You know what we all have that's different? Gifts. We're all in one body, one organism. We're better off tapping into the gifts that God, gift or gifts that God has given us and use those gifts in the body of Christ for Christ's glory. And then we don't fight. Too many Christians look for the difference in whatever it is that Sunday, whatever it is that week, whatever it is. And look, this is why we have different words on signs for churches. It identifies what that church believes. Now, I'm telling you. Assemblies of God want to believe that you get the Holy Spirit by speaking in tongues. You know what I'm not going to do on a Sunday morning? Go to an Assemblies of God's church and start causing a ruckus. Why would I do that if they've trusted the same Christ and they have been baptized into the same body? Why would I go and break up that assembly right. when I can just use the gift that God gave me to edify his saints? And then just, well, preach what you know. <laughs> preach what you believe. Do I think they're wrong? Yeah, I think they're wrong. Do they think I'm wrong? Yeah, they think I'm wrong. Get used to it. Get used to it. This church is Christ's body. I want to be right on my doctrine. And a good, honest preacher would feel the same way. He wants to be right on all his doctrine. You know what's higher? The preeminence of Christ. You know what's more important? Not whether or not you put up a tree on December 25th or you don't put up a tree. Right. What's more important is the church as a living organism that's one body in Christ. This is a completely new thing. And it's free. it's been freaking people out. <laughs> Colossians 1. Colossians chapter number 1. Verse number 14. In whom we have redemption, even the forgiveness of sins. Did I read that right? I did not read that right. And if you've got a book that don't have through his blood, you need to get another book. In whom we have redemption through his blood, 
even the forgiveness of sins. They want to get rid of the blood hymns. They want to get rid of the blood book. They don't want any preaching about the blood. You got to have that in your Bible. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? For by him are all things created. They're in heaven, they're in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things created by him and for him. Praise God. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Now watch this, verse 18. And he is the head. It's not the it's not the Baptist Pope who thinks he's a man of God. It's not, it's not any. Synod, it's not any presbyter, it's not any denomination, it's Jesus Christ as the head. I don't care what your church covenant says, I want to know what the Bible says. I don't care how attractive your personality is and how forceful and bold you can be with preaching and convincing somebody something. If Christ isn't the head, you do not have yourself a New Testament church, you've got yourself a social club, and the Bible says who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in some things he might have the preeminence? No. That in the things that I kind of agree with, he should have the preeminence? No, in all things. You part of the church? If you've trusted Christ, you are. Is he the head of the church? Are you in that body? Is he your head? Go through your life. How are you living on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday? Does Christ have preeminence around your dinner table? Does Christ have preeminence around your workplace? Does Christ have preeminence with your children? Does Christ have preeminence in the places you go and the checks you write out? Does it say in all things? Then he should be granted the preeminence in all things. This church is a brand new organism, and Jesus Christ is and always will be the head. The head. If you have two heads, you know that's going to be a scary, scary monster movie. (laughs) We don't want that. Ephesians 2. Verse number 11, Ephesians 2, verse number 11. Uh, In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own work, That we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. Now, what's great about Ephesians chapter 1 is you've got, uh, look at verse number 1. You've got in, verse 3, in, verse 4, in and in, verse 6, in, verse 7, in, verse 8, in, verse 9, in, verse 10, in, 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 and in. There's four ins in verse 10, verse 11, in. And then it says being predestinated. And it doesn't mention anything about going anywhere with that predestination. You know what the predestination is in reference to in the context? Those that are in something, someone really, Christ. And if you are in Christ, you know what he predestined you and I to be? Verse number 
12. Be to the praise of his glory. Who first trusted Christ. This church. That you are a part of. God predestined you. That you should be to the praise of his glory. Everything in your life. Should be to the glory of God. Not for the glory of you. Not for self praise. Not for self recognition. This is why. The quote unquote stars you hear about them taking their own life. I heard someone did just did famous singer just did. Why? Because it's all about the praise of themselves. And it never satisfies. If you're in Christ and part of his church, it's a brand new organization. And you are in Christ and you get to live for the praise of his glory. I can't think of anything better to stomp your feet and do the Pentecostal dance and shout amen. If young people want to try it. Come on, Josiah. No? Okay. Uh, the Bible is also clear that the church is not, I know you hear me say this all the time, the church is not Israel. It is not Israel part two. It's not plan B for Israel. It is a completely and entirely new organism. Or as we're titling these series of messages, new truth dispensed from God Two people. After that law, we got new truth now being dispensed. And it's completely, entirely different from the law. Go to First Peter chapter two. First Peter chapter number two. If people get a hold of the distinction between the church and Israel, they won't start grabbing promises that don't belong to them. And if they get a hold of that and they see what they are in Christ, he can get all the preeminence, he can have all the praise, and he can get all the glory, and we can rejoice in the spiritual blessings and promises that we have from God. Verse Peter chapter number two. Look at verse number nine. I'm going to show you why it's different. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people. You see, that's us. We're Israel. See, we're, no, no, you're not. You know why? That ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now, are you the generation of Israel? Do you have that priesthood? Are you the nation of Israel? Are you supposed to be that set apart people, uh, uh, Hebrew people? According to verse 9. Not if you read verse 10, it's very clear that it says, which in time past were not a people. But are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Yes, there was a priesthood back in the Old Testament. 
Yes, it was a nation that was supposed to be holy and set apart for God. But what you have now is something completely and entirely new. And we are a people and before that we were not a people. It has to be new. It can't be this is Israel in the New Testament. This is the church. This is brand new dispensing of truth from God. And you know what you don't need to get to God? A priest as a mediator. Does it say holy? Let's let's read it and make sure. And holy nation. Do you live holy? Do you think holy? Do you act holy? Do you dress holy? Do you fellowship holy? Do you watch holy films? It's not called Hollywood. Okay? It's called Hollywood is what it should be called. Right. It's not Hollywood. And in, and east of here either, it's Dollywood. It's not Hollywood. Just for those that are into Dolly, just throwing that out there. Get a blessing. But look, it's we. What else does it say? A peculiar people. You're part of something brand new. And you are supposed to have a set apart, separate life. Now, you can sew linen and wool together in the same garment. You can sew Kentucky 31 with some, with, with some clover for your grass. You don't have to keep those seeds separate. You don't have to keep those fabrics separate. You know who had to? The nation of Israel had to. Why? To show that they were separate and they were different. You know how difficult that is? What if you got leftover wool? The only thing you can get as a Jew is linen. And you're a savvy shopper. It'd just be cheaper and easier to just take what you had and sew something together. Unless you really loved God like you said you did. And you would do it the way God did it. And you wouldn't say, well, that's legalism. You would do it because you love God. It's cheaper to just throw a bunch of seed together that you have, whatever's in the buckets, and throw it out there, get some grass to come up. But God said he don't want you doing it that way. But it's cheaper. It's easier. It's more convenient. Well, see, there we go again. When God asks us to do something, we shouldn't look for it cheaper, easier. We should try to obey God. Why? We're peculiar people. We are a peculiar people. And God wants us to live a certain way. But I just like that music. Yeah, I know. You've been listening for two decades. But if God puts a new song in your heart, Man. he should give you new desires. Just sing with his saints. You'll kind of start to like it. You just got to get all that garbage out. You're a peculiar people. It's okay if people say, hey, what's, what's up with you? Well, Christian, remember we talked about this morning? Oh, I don't tell those dirty jokes anymore. 
I don't go to those places anymore. Why? Gives you an opportunity to tell them about Jesus. And they'll say, well, that's kind of weird. Well, let me tell you what Christ did in my life. Gives you an opportunity to tell them and magnify the Lord. All right, so the church is new. Go to Matthew 9 because we've got to hurry through these verses. Matthew chapter number 9. Matthew 9, verse number 16. No man putteth a, a piece of new cloth unto an old garment. For that which is put in to fill it up, taketh from the garment, and the rent is made worse. Neither do man put new wine into old bottles, else the bottles break. And the wine runneth out, and the bottles perish. But they put new wine into new bottles, and both are preserved. It's something entirely new. Jesus talks about it. You wouldn't put the old wine in, right? We have, a, we have an organism that is completely set apart, new. And Matthew 26, let's go there. Verse 28. Matthew 26, verse 28. For this is my blood of the New Testament which is shed for many for the remission of sin. Now, we all know that New Testament doesn't come into play until the death of the testator. We're talking about it's a new organism. It's a new testament. It's a new birth that we talked about when we looked at John 3. Go to John 13. We got a new testament. We've got a new birth. Go to John 13. John 13, verse 34. Watch what Jesus says. A new commandment I give unto you. That ye love one another as I have loved you. That ye also love one another. Now this is Jesus speaking still in his earthly ministry. The church has not come into play yet. But it's a it's a looking forward to. It's, it's new. And it's built on love. Because God so loved the world that he gave. Look at Acts chapter 17. Got a new birth, new testament, new commandment. Acts 17. Acts 17 verse 18. You got Paul disputing with the Jews. In verse number 18. Then certain philosophers of the Epicureans and of the Stoics encountered him. And some said. What will this babbler say? Other some, he seemeth to be a setter forth of strange gods. Why? Because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. Verse 19, and they took him and brought him unto Areopagus, saying, May we know what this new doctrine whereof thou speaketh is? It's a New Testament in his blood. It's a new, it's new doctrine. God is giving something entirely new, and it freaks these people out. They're preaching Jesus, and they're preaching the resurrection. What is this strange thing? It's the church is what it is. Preaching Jesus Christ and his resurrection. So you got a new doctrine. Romans 6, going 
Romans 6, verse 4. Romans 6, we'll start verse 3. Know you not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism unto death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. You have a new walk. And the feet are glorious when they bring the gospel of peace. Because the gospel is the only thing that will bring somebody peace. Where are your feet going? Where are you going? Where are you spending time? Moving out? Spending, you're spending too much time down at the... You going, you going down here where y'all not go? Where are your feet going? You have a new walk. You have a new life. And we can go to the outreach to participate. Or we can do what we said this morning. You've got a crooked and perverse nation. You've got to stand out there. And you've got to hold forth the word of life. The word of truth. The word of life. And you've got a new walk. Walk like you're a Christian. Don't talk it, walk it. Everybody knows that saying. Romans chapter 7, look at verse 6. Romans 7, 6. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin, but by the law. For I had not known lust except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. It goes on, wherefore the law is holy and commandment holy and just and good. In verse number 12, um, but we have a new service. I lost the verse on it. Uh, oh, okay, I'm sorry. It's in verse number six, Romans chapter seven. Look at verse six. But now we are delivered from the law, that being dead wherein we were held. That we should serve in newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. You should have a new service. New walk, new service. 1 Corinthians 5. 1 Corinthians 5 verse 17. No, that's not right. Verse 7. 1 Corinthians 5 verse 7. That's right. Purge out, therefore, the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened for even Christ, our Passover sacrifice for us. I'm not trying to be humorous here, but you're a new lump. <laughs> we are new lumps that should not have leaven in it. You know what leaven is a picture? We all know what leaven is a picture of. Sin. You should not be a Christian living in sin because you won't serve. You live in sin, you won't walk. You're a new lump. Act like it. 
Live like it. Walk like it. Serve like it. You're part of something great. The New Testament church, and you get to be in the body of Christ. That's so much better than being in, in uh, you know, at Father Tom's pub or, you know, the nowhere bar and grill. It's a fitting name because they're going nowhere. You're, you, you've got something better than anybody's got. Second Corinthians 5, 17. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 17. I'll know this one. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Except people say they get saved, and I don't know their heart, but if it, it if you if you aren't convicted of anything, yeah, what happened to you? Did you what? so we did a Sunday school lesson? We talked about dealing with children, parents with their children, grandparents with their children. You do not want to convince a child because you know they want to please mama and daddy and the saying a prayer getting saved when nothing happens and at the same time simple childlike faith is all that's required you don't want to squelch or stop what god's doing in their life either i'm not telling i'm just kind of asking like we we all have to be careful. Nobody knows somebody else's heart. But too many times we've just turned the steering wheel the other way because, you know, mama and, and, and granny and Paul and, and the whole family, they so want little Billy to get saved. Well, look, Billy's five. He's starting to understand some things. But don't let him repeat a prayer and have him grow up saying, yeah, when you were five, we had you. No, that was something that mom and dad did. They didn't become a new creature. Mom and dad felt good about that. You got to be careful of those things. You are a new creature and all things are become new. There should be some evidence of. And unless you, you know. Plant apple trees and expect no apples to come up. Nobody does it. Ephesians four says you're a new man. Colossians three says you're a new man. And let's look at uh, Hebrews 10. And we'll start to wrap this up. Hebrews 10. Verse number 19. Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 19. Verse 17, their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Praise the Lord. Now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Praise God. Christ did it one time on the cross. Verse 19, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil that is to say his flesh having an high priest over the house of god a new way and a living way that we were given through the way live like you're part of something Where you, you say Christ has the preeminence. But we would be lying to God. If we don't live like that. Right. 
Now, I can scare you into living right. Parents can scare their children into doing right. And sometimes that's a good thing. <laughs> but it's not going to do a hill of beans when they're 18 and they want to leave the house. They're going to do what they want to do. Because that's what people do. You have to get a hold of the fact that if you've trusted Christ, you are in him. You are part of his body. He is the head. He should have the preeminence in all things. And you should say, praise God. Get as low as you can get. Thank him for saving you. And just get on board to live for him. You know, you think of a fellow that wants to, he wants to get married. So he meets, he meets the will of God for his life. And uh, he does all he can do to impress her. He'll do anything, anything to convince that girl that he's God's will for her life. And then they get married and then all that stops. <laughs> That's kind of like Christians when they, you know, they're all excited. They will, oh, God is going to save me. And all of a sudden they get saved, they trust Christ, and it's like nothing happened. You wouldn't convince anybody that you loved your wife if all you did was put on a show and an act prior to getting married and all of it went away. It's just a farce. Nobody believes you. We should live for Christ because we love him. Why? Because he first loved us. All right, we got to wrap up. Get Revelation 22. Yeah, new book. Revelation 22. Revelation 22, verse 18. The Bible says, Revelation 22, verse 18. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. It doesn't say books, okay? So when a guy puts a screen in the back and he's got three different Bible books, uh, versions that is using the niv the nlt the abc and the xyz they all say something different it's not the bible i gave you a book people don't want the book they're against the book they don't want one book telling them what to do okay so words of the prophecy of this book if any man shall add unto these things god shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book if any man shall take away from the words of this of the book of this prophecy God shall take away his part out of the book of life, out of the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. Prior to this dispensation of the church, God dispensed the law. We talked about that last week. What were the priests doing? What was Moses doing with those people, with those Jewish people? Where was he pointing them? He was pointing them back to that law. We're part of the church. You know what my job is to point you to? The book. You know what your job is to point me to? The book. You know why? Because we have a more sure word of prophecy. Don't tell me your dream. Don't tell me your premonition. Don't tell me you had a vision. Don't tell me you were up all night in anguish and you were crying and teary-eyed and you had this emotional experience where the presence of God just came over you. Now you have a new revelation. Stop it. Okay. No one's buying 
Well, people are buying your book, but I'm not buying it, okay? It's a farce because we've got a book and it's a more sure word of prophecy. So you have to be careful that whatever I say lines up with the book. This is where we can go to get truth. You can't find it anywhere else. That's why the church is called the pillar and ground of truth. Very good. John 20, when did the church start? Let's look at that verse. John 20, we got to get through all of this tonight. John chapter 20. Everything happened that had to happen. Everything happened. By the time we get to verse 22, Jesus died, was buried three days and three nights later, rose again, and now see the right hand of the Father comes down. And so now we have in verse number 22, and when he had said this, he breathed on them and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. You've got to have Christ's death. You've got to have Christ's burial. You've got to have Christ's resurrection. So you either got the start of the church right here because the only thing left to have happen, what would be to receive what? The Holy Ghost. In the Old Testament, they had it and it went. It came and went. Now, you either got to convince me that it left or the church started right there. Because everything that had to happen, the death of the testator, all that, breathed on them, and you have a new, living, breathing organism. If you say, well, I don't think it started in, in, in John 20, okay, then Acts 2. But between those two, you, you got one or the other, okay? But you had everything that had to happen for a New Testament church to be in place. Now, people ask, when does the church end? It doesn't. The age may end. The church age, in other words, that trump consent, we could be caught up right now to be with the Lord. But the church ain't going to end. You know why? Because I will never not be part of the body of Christ. Have you trusted Christ? You will never not be part of the body of Christ. Say so the church ends at the rapture. No, it doesn't. The church age might end at the rapture. But at the rapture, guess where we're going? Judgment seat, probably going to get some crowns, rewards, and you know, all that. Is Christ going to come back after that seven year of tribulation, that time of Jacob's trouble? Is Christ going to come back after that? Are we coming with him? Church ain't going to end. We will never not be part of the body of Christ. So we got to understand that just as, as far as uh, dividing out the Bible. We have a more sure word of prophecy. And to wrap up a couple more verses. I know I said I'm going to be done, but I got to finish this. Go to Second Timothy. You kids are all right, right? You got all this? Okay. Brother Dale's going to give you a test. He is tough on his tests. Mine are easy. Second Timothy. So we have the start of the church. When's the church going to end? We know it's not. The age might, but we're still going to be in, in Christ, part of his body. The failure that we have right now has to be addressed. The failure is this. 
We already did all these lessons on Israel and the church and the last times of Israel compared to the last days, or the last times of the church. Right here, what we're going to read in, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 1, this is the last days of the church. This also, no also. Then in the last days, perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. This is the failure. We sing victory in Jesus. We sing we're washed in the blood, but this is the failure. Every single one listed in this list has nothing to do with anything physical. It's all, all a heart motive that manifests itself outwardly. The last days of Israel, we already looked at in Matthew chapter 24. The last days of the church are right here. And that's the failure of the church. All these things right here. Because men love pleasure. Men are prideful. And all these things that we looked at. That's our problem. That's the last days we live in. Right. People's hearts have turned away from God. That's the failure. And God extends out his arm in grace. And he offers that gift to as many as would receive him. And then the judgment. Look at 2 Timothy chapter number 4, verse number 3. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own selves, but after their own lust, they'll heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. And you want it. It's any mystery why thousands of people will come out for a egg hunt. Christ rose from the grave and you're going to hide eggs and you bring out thousands of people. Christ rose from the grave and the best you have for me is an icy and you're a church. Christ offers eternal life. And the best you have is some carnival music and some dancing girls and some fog lights. And that's what you have to have to keep people. It's blasphemous to God. Every single one of those fakers wouldn't be able to keep the lights on for a week. If they had a preacher come in and preach the word of God. Or they themselves got rid of the carnival. And started preaching Christ and Christ crucified. It's a blasphemy to God. They won't stand it. They won't hear it. They won't endure it. They can't stand a man like me. They can't stand a man like you or a woman like you that wants to live for God, stand up for God, and go by the book. Man. We got a book to go by. Right. It's a blasphemous thing. God help us. Good works won't do them. Lukewarm, sign me up. <laughs> Get all that new stuff at salvation. You know, we go out, we buy a new truck. We want it to smell new as long as we can. You get saved. You get a new body. You want to keep it as clean as you can. Grace. God saved by his grace. We ought to live it. We're part of something that's better than anything else we've ever been a part of.
in our entire life. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your saints being attentive and listening. Help me, help all of us to live this week with you as the preeminence in our life. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.